Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 156. And I want to also welcome State Farm as the latest advertiser on MotorWeek on public television. We are thrilled to have State Farm uh, as a member of our team. And... um, Gosh, I don't know. It's a very exciting day because they're the first automotive insurance company that we've had as an advertiser. And uh, we're just delighted to have them on board. Many happy returns. Okay, around our table today is our road test producer, Ben Davis. Present. Our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Our online content coordinator, Patrick Lucas. Here. And fresh from Florida, our FYI reporter, Lauren Morrison. Hello, hello. And we have a lot to go through today. Lightning round, viewer questions, see if anybody has a rant and rave. But this is a special show because this is the first podcast we've done after we announced our 2017 Motor Week Drivers Choice Awards at the Chicago Auto Show. Now, our awards uh, cover lots of categories. We don't just give out one, although we do give out a best of the year. And the reason we do that is because people basically have lots of different needs, and it's kind of been the hallmark of our awards since we inaugurated it back in 1982. Uh, we also are fluid. If there are vehicles that we don't think are eligible one year, if there's something in the class just doesn't have any new entrants, we won't do an award that year. Uh, once a vehicle has won, it can stay uh, as a winner for two years. It can repeat. Uh, we basically look at vehicles vis-a-vis other vehicles in their class. But here's the most important thing. We call it Driver's Choice Awards because if we were buying a car in this segment, it would be the one we would choose because we like driving it. Uh, that's something that we've always maintained uh, uh, kind of ownership of, and I think it's true of the members this year. So the way we're going to do this to get through this pretty quickly is I'm going to mention a class and the winner of the class, uh, and then a couple comments from around the table about why it won. Uh, best small car, a repeat winner, Honda Civic, and for a very good reason, is they, they have the new hatchback this year, uh, among other new issues. Comments about the Civic? Yeah, I mean, one of the few categories where I felt like a repeat winner was truly called for. Um, Now that they've got the, uh, they just released the hatch and and the coupe and everything, we've driven all three. It's just as it always has been, really just a solid driver's car. Yeah, absolutely. But also great looking for a change. Most dynamic styling I think we've ever seen on a Honda. Could use some more wheel choices, but yeah, I agree. (laughs) Best family car. Okay. In an age where SUVs are king, and especially at this manufacturer, it's all about pickup trucks. The best family sedan for 2017, the Ford Fusion, but for one specific reason, right? The Fusion Sport. Oh, Mm. new trim. Woo! And it's not just a name. I mean, they really stepped up. Segment leading uh, items like continuously uh, variable damping system, first in its class. Um, That's a hot ride. You know, with F-150 basically being what that company is right now, they could have just avoided spending any money, but they didn't. Yeah, Crazy good seats, too. Yeah, It's a sleeper car. I was just about to say that. Best uh, convertible. He should have said it. Uh, (laughs) Mini Cooper convertible. Why? Everybody said, that's too small. I spearheaded this movement because... Which is weird because you normally wouldn't ever champion... Uh, That's true. Uh, That is true. 
But it was the only convertible that I've been in in quite a long time where you actually had a true sense of the windshield frame in front of you, and it wasn't towering over your head like so many sloped <laughs> So uh, you felt like you were in a go. convertible. Absolutely. It was well ahead of you. It felt like you were in a, like a 50s wooden speedboat where the windshield's mm. way in front of you. And to me, that was just awesome to have a 360-degree air around you and open sky everywhere because, let's face it, sadly, like with the uh, – Cascada? Cascada? Mm -hmm. Cascada. That windshield, so it might as well be over your head because it just sweeps back so far, and a lot of other cars are like that too. So I had to give it to them. I've forgotten. Is it Cascada or Cascada? Cascada. 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 Okay. Uh, Good good reason. Best luxury sedan, Mercedes-Benz E300. Now, okay, it had a decent semi-autonomous driving system, but beyond that. Who cares about that? There you go. (laughs) That thing was Driver's Choice Award. Super nice. I, I just thought it was incredibly luxurious, comfortable, uh, looked great um, inside. Outside was nothing special, but still luxury car. The yeah. tech was awesome. Mm-hmm. Everything about it was just really solid, joy to drive, comfortable. Best sports sedan, Audi A4. Got most of the votes. That, that one was, uh, it's kind of hard to see, literally, because it's, although it is a new A4, it looks basically the same. Uh, but hop inside, you got the virtual cockpit. Uh, everything is still beautiful on the inside. It's a comfortable car. Uh, it's just hard to find something more. It's hard to find more of a total package in that segment, I think. What great interior. Uh, I mean, even forget the driving aspect. Just If you're stuck in traffic, it's just a beautiful place mm-hmm. to be stuck in. Mm-hmm. Best Sport Coupe, another return winner, the Chevrolet Camaro. Not only the 1LE, but the ZL1. Mm. Oh, my goodness. And and you just finished four days at a racetrack with that, Bubba. Wow. I I came away probably most impressed with that car. The sound just from the outside, but driving it, that thing does amazing things. For It's not a cheap car, but considering what else we were driving, I mean, it stacks up against all those $100,000 cars very very nicely. That was a beautiful car, too. It was a beautiful car. I I mean, I've been pretty vocal about not being a big fan of just how – I would say mild the change the, the this current gen Camaro has been compared to the outgoing one, but I mean on the ZL1 you can really appreciate the changes that have been made. They're really in your face, and you can't help but take back and notice them and and how different they really truly are. And overall beautiful, especially and it really ZL1 did, did well on the track. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. yes, yeah. Speaking of performance, best performance car, BMW M2. This one was, I think we actually had a lot of argument about this. I think I championed for the uh, Corvette Grand Sport, but I really couldn't be upset with the M2. That really went back to basics. What was the M3 right. a decade well, we, ago? Was well, now we the used M2. to say whatever happened to. Yep. Perfect mm-hmm. size, everything. And steering feel, something I thought was that maybe, maybe BMW <laughs> yeah, forgot there, all yeah. about. <laughs> Best small utility, uh, not a repeat winner, but certainly a perennial winner, uh, the Honda CRV. We have it in right now for they, testing again. You know, I, I, we've driven several of them before we gave the award. I drove this one that we have in last night. You look around it, you just think, wow, it just keeps nailing it right just, on the head. Just like the Civic, it's it, <sighs> it's an amazing interior. It's nailed it's it from the start. No. You know, one of the original uh, small uh, crossover concepts, uh, and uh, they just keep improving it. However, I will say, it does have that radio volume knob, which you know is a what, big plus. Though? What? 
still needs a tune knob. Yes, it Great. does. It really Perhaps does. Perhaps more it's importantly. Yeah. I think the tune knob is the important one. Yeah, yeah. I think right. so, too. That's, you know, <laughs> that's for another time. It's like, it's like <laughs> only having a salt yeah. shaker or a pepper shaker. <laughs> Uh, a vehicle that I think surprised everybody because it is as good as it is, and it's very good. Our best large utility, the Mazda CX-9, mm-hmm. especially since it replaced an antique. Yeah. I think that's... Tasteful styling yeah, all around. Absolutely. And I think because we had spent so much time in the previous CX-9, it was much more apparent now how much, the, how much of an evolution there was between the last gen and this one. And, uh, yeah, another car that I just came away thoroughly impressed by. You know, it's actually a, a really attractive yeah, big car. Yeah, and they did themselves a huge favor by making that new top tier, what is it, the prestige of the platinum, mm. whatever that mm. super top trim level is that makes it, pushes it way over the top in terms of luxury and comfort and look. Did you miss uh, a six-cylinder? Because it's all, it's four-cylinder powered. Nope. Four-cylinder Not turbo. Me. Nope. Yeah. Zoom, zoom. Best luxury utility, I have to tell you. My personal favorite, the Jaguar F-Pace. I was just blown away from this, by this vehicle. I thought they could have gone cheap, copied a Land Rover or something, mm-hmm. but what a piece of work. Yeah, it's got some growl. There's some real muscle there. It's, a, it's definitely sport-tuned suspension, great feel. I mean, for a driver, it's, it's the way to go. There's and no for, doubt a lux- about it. for their first luxury utility, they, they hit it out of the park. Best minivan, we mentioned it earlier, the Chrysler Pacifica. Uh, granted, there were, it's the only new minivan on the market right now, but we do have uh, a new Honda Odyssey coming out in the fall, and it'll be interesting to see how they match up. I just think they took the basic concept and made it modern yeah. and a lot better. And, uh, you know, if the Odyssey can play tic-tac-toe and checkers in the back, then maybe it'll have a, a case for stealing the title. But I <laughs> Joe and I spent 45 minutes playing one game of checkers on the way down the road. Like, it was <laughs> grueling. I I'm I'm if I was in the market for a minivan, which I might be someday. You know that fold in the floor second row still just has everybody. Oh, beat, it's so easy. You know, and the the push button third row folding yeah. flat in it, it's effortless now. You don't have yeah. to do it. I'm you still second row takes a little bit of muscle, but yeah. Awesome. They did a good job. Best pickup truck, uh, Nissan Titan. This is also a repeat winner. Basically, it was for the XD, uh, primarily the diesel last year. Now it's for the full lineup. You know, Nissan just basically did it right. They basically looked at the the pickup truck market and said, let's do something a little bit different. Let's let's slot it in between the, the full size and the uh, super size. I think they've done a nice job. Absolutely. Yeah. Very solid. <laughs> All right. Nothing else to add. Best eco-friendly, Chevrolet Bolt EV. Uh, hits the sweet spot everyone kept saying needed to be hit, which is a 200-mile-plus range and under thirty grand. If even though it's just a few bucks if you throw in the incentives. Uh, but beyond that, driving it is very entertaining. It looks a little bit like a small SUV. Any other comments? Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I think the biggest thing is that Chevrolet just kind of – delivered on their promise they told us what they were going to do and they uh they went above and beyond their expectations and driving the car it's like i mean it's not my favorite car to drive but if i'm but gonna be driving, not like EV, driving an appliance. i'm not making any like sacrifices by yeah. by jumping into it and with a hatchback body style it's very useful that brings us to our best dream machines uh the acura nsx was on the list of three uh personally it's a uh, it's true to the original techno exotic uh, aspect of the NSX and very fast and entertaining car. Any uh, other comments? 
I thought it was. Do you like the look of it? I, I like the exterior look of it. I think it's really cool. Um, interior, like I think we've covered a few times, it's kind of pedestrian, but I mean, you're still driving. Still, it feels like supercar. Our next dream machine, maybe give us a comparison: McLaren 570GT. That's totally different car, <laughs> totally different animal here. Uh, if you had lots of money, which one would you buy? Oh, don't look at me. Ah, <laughs> nobody wants to say. That'd be a tough one. Take one of each. Uh, and then another car we just finished uh, doing roundy rounds at Roebling with is a Porsche 911 Turbo oh, S. That's, that's, that's the one I picked. That's the one I took. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I knew they were going to say that. Our best of the year car is uh, the Pinnacle, and it goes to the Chevrolet Bolt EV. And uh, for all the reasons we said before, we just think, you know, it wasn't Tesla or some other high-end market uh, brand that hit that new sweet spot that uh, critics and consumers have been talking about that electric cars had to meet for a long time. Chevrolet's done it. It's a good driving car. You can charge it. They've given it a complete charge in nine hours on 240 volts. And if you're at a DC fast charger, you can get in 30 minutes, 90 miles worth of range. Um, it has great visibility. They really, yeah, really and, did a good job. And you Here. know what I like the most is that rather than, you know, some other EV company who has been touting one for a long time and mm-hmm. we still have yet to see it, <laughs> it just kind of came out. They talked about it for a little bit, and then it actually came out, and it and, lives up to it. Too and soon. I don't know of anybody that has that's reviewed it that has found any serious shortcomings or found somewhere that it didn't meet the promise. So that that. Right there, it's pretty amazing for any kind of advanced concept. And by the way, it's got all the connectivity you could possibly want on the inside of it. Well, that's our MotorWeek 2017 Driver's Choice Awards. I hope you get a chance to catch our show in the full presentation. Uh, it'll show up on, uh, if you don't get it on public TV stations or Velocity, it'll be on YouTube in a couple of weeks. But we had a lot of fun this year. I would point out that the Bolt uh, EV was a unanimous choice for our staff. We get together in December every year and sort of fight for about three hours and uh, put all of our uh, uh, passions on the table and come up with a list that we hope will help you and a lot of other people in the market for cars. And we're all still friends. Yeah, we're all still friends. <laughs> it does get a little heated at times. Just can't take it personally. Man. I like to argue. I think that's fun. Yeah. Some people get Choose a little, whatever you want. Yeah, some get <laughs> See you next year. A little offended. <laughs> The second thing I want to talk about in the first part of our uh, podcast today is an, another Lauren Morrison uh, special. Uh, this is uh, a segment that uh, we asked her to do um, based on one phone call we got from one viewer. But we said, what are some of the – all these cars have so much new technology. But what are some of the things that we really don't like about cars today? Our pet peeves. Lauren Give us an idea of what you came up with. Then I'm going to ask everybody if they've got something to add. Yeah, I know. It's funny. We were just talking about cars that we love. Well, uh, we also love to talk about cars. This things that we hate. Yeah, yeah, pieces that we hate. Um, so, like you said, we got a phone call from a gentleman who he has a Porsche 911, I believe. And he would take it around the track. Poor and guy. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, he, uh, you know, at the track, you have to have your windows down, your... Um, sunroof closed and it was a horrible wind throb so he was like i can't even take it it's so bad yeah yeah there's actually there's a name for it and i completely forget but so he was like all right oh i'm gonna go online there's got to be an easy fix well there's an easy fix but it's pretty expensive so he said i'm just gonna make like a little wind diffuser out of an orange juice carton and he ended up 
made, making this little device that cost him five bucks. And so, like you said, it got us thinking, what do we really not appreciate about cars these days? Um, it's funny, we were talking about in the last podcast, infotainments, infotainment and touchscreens, and that seemed to be the big pet peeve of everybody. We even put it out uh, to a lot of you guys on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. Everybody sounded off saying the same thing, like, hate infotainment systems, hate all this new technology. Like, I don't even feel like I'm driving a car anymore. Um, we also talked a lot of people are like the safety systems, you know, line spot detection or, um, you know, lane keep assist. It just, some people just were not feeling it. Well, because every time you drive down the road, you've got all these uh, sounds yeah. going off or your and lights like or your seat vibrates. Yeah. And it's like, Sometimes you just want to sit back and enjoy yeah. the drive. Yeah, and you don't. And, yeah. and I'm not saying zone out. I'm mm-hmm. just saying just enjoy it. And it's got beep bop, you know, and it's like. <laughs> when we just had our long-term pilot go out. How long do we have that thing? A year? Oh, over, over, year. over a year. Over I mean, a year. It and served us well. I know the, what you're talking about. The last day we had it, which was yesterday or two days ago, I finally figured out what this random chiming was. I think it's when you're. Did you, find, you found out what I think it was. it's when you're coming up on traffic. When you're driving on the highway, oh, the radar it, cruise control or something. No, it's. I think it senses like a traffic jam ahead of you, and it chimes probably about a quarter mile ahead. through the nav system. Or I don't is that know. like a? It's not a sensor thing. Some is Honda it? expert no, I, out no, there. No, it might be like a satellite us. thing, like reading traffic information. Because hmm. there has sense. been since day one, just a chime, uh, a chime, and it's like when you try to replicate it and show somebody, you can't make it do it. I swear that's what it is. I swear that's what it is. Something attached to the navigation system. That was a great vehicle. I sure served us well um we we literally drove the wheels off of it since we had to (laughs) put two tires on it to get it home from from uh, georgia uh anything else any other pet peeves well (laughs) i think a a lot of y'all chimed in on my piece so you guys had everybody had their say on uh, stop us y'all know me yeah yeah no i hate uh piano black Mm. why well because the fact it shows everything because you breathe on it and it scratches but I'm not going to go there right now. It's He's well, not down. interior piano black. But I've been noticing people are putting this on the B pillars on the outside as just to blank it all out and create one big open looking space, floating roof. But, floating roof. Good God, have you seen this piano black on the outside of cars? Yeah. yeah. Miserable. Like There's no way you can make it look good. Have you seen this? You watch the car. <laughs> you go through rain, it scratches. You touch it with anything, it scratches. And I mean, how do you get the scratches out? I mean, we're talking about a car with less than a thousand miles on it, a high end car. B pillars just scratch, look like cobwebs all over them. Yeah, I've looked at some Mike of the drop. ways you're supposed to be able to, to to buff it out and so forth, but it's like with all the work they do to make durable paint finishes, yeah, why would they put this. something like that on the exterior of a car? Yeah. I mean, it must look good to some designer, but it doesn't seem to have the durability at all. Just give me a pieces of black glass there and yeah. just let me take my chances with it getting chipped. Yeah. Anybody else? Um my, I could have a million. The first one that comes to my mind is um, is when I'm specifically Mercedes Benz. When you drive, when you move forward with the door a little bit open, which I know you shouldn't technically uh, be doing. Yeah. But, 
we've all had to do it. If I just if I knock a cone over at the track, which happens very often, I like to grab the cone and put it back in position, literally two feet in front of me, if I can just move. But it throws it it into park, and it doesn't just like (laughs) stop you. It throws you forward and makes a terrible sound, and it's just. I think that is their solution to these folks that with e shifters are not putting them back in park and having the vehicles roll away. Well, now you mention it like that. That's very smart. But exactly. I, e-shifters exactly. in general, yeah. I hate. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, we know. You know, rotary, push-button. I mean, I lived through the original push-button era, folks. You know, nothing <laughs> works as good as a good old gear handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. All right, thanks, Lauren, and thanks, everybody. That was fun. We're going to move on now to our lightning round. We've got two minutes to talk about a trending automotive topic. This has been getting so much play. Walmart was in the news recently announcing that they're actually sort of getting into car sales. They're partnering with an online site called Car Saver and will have kiosks with human beings in them in uh, selected stores. There's 25 right now, but probably the, all of it by the year end in their super centers. And they'll let customers shop and compare vehicles. They'll be able to negotiate. Uh, actually, the price will be set. Uh, they'll have no haggle pricing. They'll be able to get their financing okayed. Uh, they'll be able to do just about everything except drive the car. And for that, then they're sent to the dealers who are part of the program, who will be waiting for them. The interesting thing is um, uh, where they tested it in somewhere in Florida last year, 80% of the people that went the final step of going to the dealer actually bought cars. Uh, It goes one step beyond what, say, Costco has because there's actually a human being there, and um, it's not just a referral service. It goes beyond that. Surprise? Is this a trend? Do you think the next step is actually having cars in big box stores? Does it? Do you think it's a good idea? That's probably the, the one of the key things. What do you think about it? I can't, I can't help but have like a vision. When you said kiosk, I assumed like it was automated. But then when you no, said no, there's no. a person, there's a person there. I imagine With like a, screen, a, like a uh, booth. <laughs> like you pull the curtain open and there's a guy just standing there well, you, looking you, at you. You know how you come how to the you, come to the end of the uh, the uh, checkout and there'll be you know displays for trips and, and yeah, all yeah. air conditioners. Now, now and I get it. That, that was my first thought. Like yeah. Early cell phone kiosks. Yeah, I, well, I get it now, but that was just my first. But is it a good thought. idea to buy a car that way? What is their can you what is their return policy? Because can you do? Well, you, that's can all you, with the deal. I have my receipt. So, see, I, I don't know. You know, I, I get it because. It is like the bane of my existence to b- go and haggle and go to one dealer, go to the other. I mean, you spend it's the like whole a whole week. day. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is very stressful. Exactly, but no, I, I can get it if I'm actually looking into doing this as a piece. Is if you could go buy it online, go pick it up and test drive it for say like a week or something, and then be like, you know what, I'm just not feeling this. Like, I need to take this back. <laughs> no, I need me, to, me. you know, I don't know. And can you really even with a test drive at a dealership really no. get a feel for it so yeah various I'm, manufacturers have tried that you know try it and bring it back yeah. routine they usually do it when sales are really in the toilet so um, in my opinion yeah. just off the surface in 
the the whole dealer you still have to go to a dealer to drive right. it until they yeah. can eliminate that yeah. aspect of it. That's I really and don't. State see franchise the laws are going to probably mm-hmm. never allow that to happen. Who are they trying to get? The person who's leaving Walmart and says like, "All right, oh, I got my milk and bread." And, oh, man, I forgot to buy my car. Yeah. I got to go back in. I think they're trying to get the person who, as Lauren mentioned, hates the whole buying process. Um, is attracted by a no-haggle pricing. And by the way, they claim, and I think there's a caveat here, that the average saving of people in the pilot program was 3000 bucks. But my bet is that an awful lot of those were pickup trucks because they have high markups. Yeah. Uh, a lot of small cars have hundreds, only hundreds of dollars of markups. So I think they're trying to get the person who hates the whole process, who's been thinking about a new car but didn't quite you know, go to the dealership, and now they can. I should point out that apparently there's a $350 fee Ooh. that gets paid to from the dealer to, right. I guess, Walmart People and CarSaver uh, for every one of the leads that results in a sale. And that is included, though, in whatever price they quote you. So it's not added on. I've read a lot of articles about this. And a lot, a lot of people say is, number one, you're lazy. Number two, you can probably go to your own uh, credit union and get a better rate. So you should at least check with them about loan rates. And the scary part is often even when you get a good deal on the price, you might get to the dealer and they want to upsell you with a lot of packages on the back end. So that's really where you've got to be very careful and not essentially give back all of your savings uh, you know, for things like paint protector and whatever, lifetime engine warranties and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll probably be some additional sales because I don't know about you, but every Walmart I drive by is crowded 24 hours a day. I was about to say, people tr- people go to Walmart and they trust They do trust Walmart. Them, yes. So, right. you know, going there, they'll be like, they, but they wouldn't, you know. And, and there's no indication. <laughs> well, I, I don't <laughs> think... I don't think this operation inside Walmart, I think it's totally legit. And so far, when you look at some of the dealerships they've signed up to work with them, like AutoNation, the biggest operation in the country, they seem to be up and up. I think it's going to come down to the quality of the local dealerships Mm -hmm. that they tie in with. If they tie in with reputable dealerships, you're going to get that same kind of quality treatment. The understanding is, is if customers have bad experiences with dealerships, they will be dropped from the program. So we'll see. Mm. So it's something new. That's a record. It was four minutes Sorry and about ten that. seconds. Uh, but it's an interesting new twist, twist in the business. Uh, we have a question from Dennis. Dennis. What is the best way to calculate gas mileage? Uh, I keep a log book Short on my own, all my cars on where gas is purchased, maintenance, new tires, etc. Okay, how do we do it? We do it the exact same way he just mentioned, right? Keep a log book of all gas we put in the car and keep mm-hmm. a, if you want to keep track of price, uh, but always make sure you see how much you put in, how many miles you've driven in between, just keep your odometer reading, and that seems to be the most accurate I, way. Yeah. I will say this, that some, and I encountered this um, when I rented a car um, on a recent trip that I went on, not for work, um, Somebody, you actually had time off. Yeah, it's oh, it's, it's rare. We're doing something wrong. Um, but you it know, was a suggested time off. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the the auto shut off when you fill your tank. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, doesn't always match up the same every time you no, fill up. So, sure for instance, doesn't. I went to return this car to the airport and I put it in there and let it run, and I assumed that when it clicked off, it was full. I got back in the car 
and it was only like three quarters full. Was your engine running? No. Okay. No, I never. Do I that. had that. I hap- never do that. I had that happen. I was in a hurry. Well, thanks. I was too <laughs> late. I had that happen. I, I had actually left the engine running, which you shouldn't do, by right. the way. That's a very bad thing to do mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons, and it wouldn't take gas. Huh. Well, that's probably. Smart. And I thought it was filled, and I got back in, and it wasn't. And okay, so I drove. So, so anyway, my, my only point for that whole tangent um, is that when we you know go and fill back up to full, um, you know, is that always full? Full can mean a lot of different <laughs> full things. Full can mean a lot of things. When we are actually doing, uh, we're primarily talking about uh, Dennis, our our long term cars. They're here for a long time. When we are doing a mileage loop on the car, the requirement is is that we go to a station, we fill up at that station, and we go back to that ex- same same exact pump at that same station for the top off. And fill back up to full, so that we've right. got the best chance of getting it. Uh, accurately. Now, we also, of course, take a look at the miles per gallon readout in the car, but we generally find they lack in complete accuracy from car to car. So we compare the two. But if you are actually doing a how much did I get during this last period and you want a number, same gas pump, same station, fill it till it clicks the first time and then do the math. And that's probably pretty close. Okay, any rat and raves from anyone? We sort of already had those, didn't we? Yeah. Anything yeah. new? I'm all out. Uh, let's see. Um, do you want me to think of something? Or do you have something? I, 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 the only thing, this actually pertains to all of this uh, autonomous driving stuff that we're oh being exposed we to. Again. I mean, most of us are not happy with what we've experienced so far. But, you know, the single biggest problem seems to be legibility of the lines painted on the roads. Yep. And if we're ever going to have autonomous driving be work, given the current technology we have now, which is cameras and radars, it seems to me that not only do the lines have to be kept up and be visible in the dry weather and well as the rain, uh, and I don't mean pouring down rain, but just a little bit of rain will obliterate them, but also um, they have to be uniform from one state to the next. And you know, all this talk about autonomous driving, nobody seems to be going there until just recently I've started to read, well, you know, this might work on a closed course like a exactly. college campus yeah. or something. If that's what we're aiming for, we're spending an awful lot of time and money uh, on it's, something I'm not sure is going to help most and we, people. And we brought it up multiple times when you're driving along using uh, something like lane keep assist and then all of a sudden your shoulder line – Disappears. Disappears. It's been patched or something. Right, and then the system just shuts off, and you you were trusting the system, and you sort of drift, and then you bounce back, and then all of a sudden you start drifting, and nothing happens, and you just keep drifting over. That's, I mean, what's the point of that? So far, we've not come across a system that didn't require more paying attention to to see if it's working than if you were just basically driving yourself. Mm -hmm. So if there's any rat and rave, I think it's with – I don't know. Maybe our part of the media is maybe the consumer media. People are getting all hopped up about some of this stuff um, that isn't there yet. Now, having said that, things like automatic braking, which are part of the systems, they're definitely going to pay off and save lives. I'm just not sure. At the point right now, the sum is not greater than the whole of the parts. So what is the what's the quote? The sum is uh, greater. Than, the sum is greater than the parts. Just blew my mind. But anyway, uh, right now the parts make more sense than the sum. I guess.
I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast. You're on autopilot today. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's pretty much the way you usually are, Greg. No. Oh. Uh, oh. Podcast 156. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today and for tuning in to Motor Week. I want to thank everybody around the table. Uh, assistant producer Greg Carlos, who just took a shot at. Road test producer Ben <laughs> Davis. Online content coordinator Patrick Lucas, hey. who's also the producer of the podcast. Our FYI reporter Lauren Morrison, who's great us with her presence. Thank you very much. Come back anytime. See you right. See you again, right? Yeah, hopefully. hopefully. (laughs) Audio engineer Jim Bigwood, who makes sure we sound great at home. Podcast creator Bob Mixter. And I guess that pretty much wraps it up. I'm John Davis. Thanks for being a part of the MotorWeek team. And join us again for more podcasts and see us on public TV, Velocity, and YouTube. Till next time, take care. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.